I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today, all the way from Wisconsin, is Catherine Coffell. She is the author of two full-length poetry collections, including the recently published Stick Figure with Skirt, which won the 2019 Main Street Rag Poetry Book Award. She's published a number of chapbooks, produced a poetry music CD, and is published all over the place. She also has received awards for her poetry and essays, including the Lorraine Nidecker Award. If you don't know Lorraine Nidecker, you're not from Wisconsin, you can look it up. And she is uh, an activist for the arts, I would say, helped launch the Wisconsin Poet Laureate Commission. They have a poet laureate in Wisconsin. And with a group of her friends, uh, has a group, let's say a group called Poetry Unlocked which uh, sponsors poetry readings and other activities around the area. So, Catherine, I'm so glad we finally connected with some after some technical difficulties. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. I'm really, really excited to be uh, recording with you. And, yes, I'm, it, uh, patience perseveres here. It took us a little bit to get going, but I'm glad it's working out. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you just tell us about Poetry Unlocked right off before we get you to a poem? Sure. Um, you said it's a, sure. it started as a reading series, but it expanded. Yeah, so yeah, we um, uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin, there's a monthly poetry reading series at a place called The Draw, and um, I've been coordinating that with fellow poet Sarah Gilbert for a number of years, um, going on well over ten years, and we were getting a little burnt out from just sort of doing the same old thing, same old thing. And so we um, invited a couple of other people to join us. Well, actually, candidly, we tried to get out of it. We tried to find some other people to take it over. And nobody wanted to take it over, but they said they'd, they'd join us. And now we've turned this little right tag team into more of a collective. There are four of us full-time who work on, well, full-time working on this and a couple others who come in periodically and work with us. And in addition to the poetry reading series, we've done a number of poetry events. Like we host an annual recitation night. Uh, we host an annual poetry, uh, kind of a seasonal poetry reading uh, party, holiday party. Um, and then we've also been doing a lot of work with area nonprofit organizations, uh, writing poetry and using poetry as a vehicle to um, get their message out into the broader community. Yeah. You said you did some kind of a poem that was then set to music. It sounded like it turned into a, a pretty big deal. Yes. Yeah. There's a local um, domestic violence uh, shelter here called Harbor House. And they had a really kind of a quirky fundraising event that they were launching called Ultraviolet, which is very kind of artsy and neon, day glow. And they were looking to weave all different kinds of the arts into this experience. And so they asked us if we would write a poem for them. So the four women wrote a ghazal um, around the theme of light and, and bringing light to lives. And then it was set to music and recorded and played um, in the in the hall where this fundraiser was held to kind of end the evening. And it was a really, really magical experience. And it was really exciting because there were hundreds of people there who wouldn't normally experience poetry at a fun fundraising event. But it, I think it was a really, really meaningful experience. 
Okay, so you're finding original or newer ways to get poetry out in and around the community as part of events yeah, also. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that is super. Poetry Unlocked. Okay, that's yeah. good to know. That's, that's a great project. Well, why don't we hear a poem? The first Sure. Sure. Well, we were we were talking a little bit before about a poem um, that's sort of in the middle of the book called We Need to Talk. And um, it's a fun poem. And I was saying it's a it's a rare poem in that it practically wrote itself on the way over to somebody's house. Um, My sister-in-law had called and said, I need you to come over. Um, We need to talk. And she wouldn't tell me why, and I knew it wasn't going to be a good news. So uh, here we go. We need to talk. If someone says those words, run, it will not be a conversation. It will be one voice, not yours. It will be bad news. It is always bad news, like I have a tumor the size of a chicken, or we have to let you go. If the news were good, a gift of $10,000, you'd hear, guess what? Or I have a surprise for you, or you get a surprise knock at the back door and a goofy grin. When we need to talk, he doesn't want you to guess. He doesn't want to say it straight out. He will take a whole meal to get to that point you know will make you feel like crying or throwing up or both. He will take you to a public place where you can't cause a scene, but you will cause a scene. So this will not only be bad news now, but embarrassing too. That all time low point you'll replay and replay and replay like that poor agony of deceit guy on ABC's wide world of sports. Some talk may be cheap, but this talk is the reason for payday lenders. The talk that leaves you barely surviving with too much interest due to repay in one lifetime. If you're lucky, we need to talk only once or twice in that lifetime, but most of us are not lucky. Most of us need to talk one too many times, and still, we never know how to avoid it. We never know when to shut up. Oh, I love that. A poem <laughs> just jumped out of the book at me because it's such a, a common experience that you captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, who That's has not true. had this happen you know yeah and, and, then, and whenever i read yes yeah, whenever i read it in public people start as soon as i say the title everybody starts to laugh everybody is, <laughs> yeah we've all been there we've all been there mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. a great it's a great thing that poetry does when it, it reminds us of a universal experience i think that's a really cool function that poetry serves sometimes and, absolutely i absolutely yeah. agree and that's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told I told you I could see I could see uh, people using that poem in a workshop as a stimulus, and then when everyone says, "Oh yeah, I've been there," and say, "Okay, uh, write about that," <laughs> and everybody yeah. can write about when they've been there. I'm sure because they've yes, had the absolutely. experience. Mm-hmm. No barriers. Well, yeah. well, it was also for me a way because it, what I did here was really bad news and it was a way for me to try to try to infuse humor and what had turned into just a really bad situation um and that's it humor is really important to me in my writing you know try to see it um or i i try to infuse it in in a lot of what i write um, because some of my 
uh, some of my poems can be pretty dark and uh, I, I kind of go through life with a little bit of a sarcastic bent. So it's, feels yeah. like it needs to be in my poetry as well. So, well, what's yeah. right there in the poem. I mean, it's it, those points where a poet has a choice and you make a choice to have a tumor the size of a chicken mm-hmm. or the guy on yep. my world of sports right there. Those two things are like whoop <laughs> off the wall, but absolutely right on what you want to say. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about, I don't need to ask you about humor because you brought it up. <laughs> so that's cool. Well, yeah. read, read another one. Sure. Um, I I would like to read um, the title poem of the book. It's called Six Figure with Kurt. And um, I, well, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Six Figure with Kurt is the universal sign for the women's restroom, unless you were in Hawaii or a cowboy bar. Six figure with skirt is the universal symbol of fashion, AKA allure, AKA Kate Moss. Six figure with skirt, holding hands with other six figures is the universal minivan mom, making sure we know she is loved by her six figure family. See, they are all six smiling. Six Figure with Skirt is not available on SixFigureGames.com. No zombie shooter, no sniper assassin, no sick girls allowed. Even at GirlGames.com, the sick chicks are naked or suicidal. Six Figure in pencil skirt and heels is the universal sign for career woman. But notice, she has no mouth, no eyes, no opposable thumbs on her two stick hands. Beneath that thick figure skirt is slip. Beneath that slip spanks. Beneath spanks two bare sticks like scissors forever cutting her flesh into smaller sticks and smaller still until she is kindling. Toothpick, the universal sign of beauty. Mm. Where did you get that idea? Did you just see one one day and start riffing or? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, you know, as we write our poetry too, I don't know about you, but I am, I'm constantly editing, even as I go, even as I'm reading this, I sometimes feel like maybe I should have taken the first couple of lines out, but Mm. they were really what inspired, inspired the poem. I was literally in Hawaii looking for the women's bathroom and I couldn't find it because they did not use the traditional (laughs) six figure with skirt. And I came out of the bathroom and started just kind of, when I finally did find it, was kind of venting to my friend about, you know, stick figure with skirts everywhere. And again, I just kind of led me into this this concept of stick figure. And it started out intending to be a funny poem. And then I really started thinking about a stick figure. And for me, where it really turned is when um, that concept of the career woman with no mouth, no eyes, no opposable thumbs. And that's really some of the, the darker side of, of the poems in, in, mm-hmm. this, in this collection is that, you know, women, women trying to climb, trying to be successful, but constantly up against obstacles and, you know, that frustration and feeling that sometimes you're working without, you know, with no opposable thumbs and trying to be successful. I was actually going to ask you about Hawaii because I kind of couldn't figure out what that was about. I was asking, what, I are, what do they use in Hawaii? Also, cowboy oh, they, bars. 
Well, yeah, cowboy bar is usually like a boot or a hat or oh, something. Oh, there like you that. go. Right. <laughs> or you use a feather for the woman and, and a spur for the guy or something. Right, right. And somehow <laughs> I'm supposed to know that. Um, and I think in Hawaii they were like two. They were some kind of godlike figures, but I could not tell by what they were wearing, which one was the male figure and which was the female figure. So I'm all for, you know, gender neutral bathrooms. <laughs> that would be simple. Yeah. Much simpler. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, there's, it was nice the way that poem does have the, the light and the dark side. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, Hey, yeah. Shakespeare did it all the time, right? Those yeah, fools absolutely. just come right in there, you know, so you're in, yeah, good, you're in great good absolutely. company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> are you still writing, are you writing poems like this now? Or are you on a different tack or continuing kind of the kind of things? That are oh, in no, I'm, I was writing into this book for a really long time and I, um, you know, before that, I was I was really prolific, and as I've gotten older and my life has gotten even more hectic than it ever was before, um, you know, the the book was inspired by that very basic concept of writing what you know. And I am um, not a professional poet. I um, I'm a def definitely a career woman. I work more than a forty hour a week job, and I love my job. I love what I do, and um, but it, it really, you know, took up a lot of my life. And so a lot of my poems started, I without even really realizing it, as I was reading some of the poems that I've written, like, wow, this theme of work just really is this vein through everything I'm writing. Even if I think I'm writing something about, um, I, you know, I was writing a lot of poems about cancer and, and grief because I lost, we lost a number of, of really close people within a few year period all to um, cancer. And, but I, I didn't want to write a cancer book because, you know, yeah. we've all been there and yeah. nobody wants to read those poems. And, but again, the surprise of like how that, that even the concept of work was infusing into those poems and the art of, yeah. of you know, the work of dying. So I, I wrote into this book for so long. It took me, a, a, for me, a lot of years to get this book out and published. So now I'm at that interesting point where I'm not, I'm not writing into something anymore. So mm. I don't really know. I'm writing, um, I'm, my writing is just kind of all over the place now, but in a really wond wonderful way, you know, it's a little bit liberating, but also a little scary because I'm very goal driven. That's that corporate career woman in me, I'm, you know, very goal driven and, and, um, you know, one of my big hopes was to someday win a book award. And, and I did with this, which is fantastic. But now I'm kind of at the point of going, okay, so what's uh, next? What do I, yeah. what do I do next? So, yeah. Well, it's like in creativity, you're in the exploratory phase. So, I mean, you're writing poems, yeah. but, you know, yeah. what's, what's going to kind of pop, start to pop out of that and, and right. call you, I guess. Yeah. Know, and yeah. Come over here. And this nothing, way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is yet, but uh, again, it's kind of fun to, um, you know, you like, you like. I think the ideal for any writer is to just be able to start putting the pen on page and having it just kind of take control and do something really wonderful on its own. And 
I haven't really had that experience to the extreme that I'd like because I've been trying to fill what I, what I saw as gaps in this book. Like, oh, I really need really need some more on, on this sort of thing or, or right. you know, really feel it's weaker over here. And yeah, so I'm excited about that. Well, yeah, and as long as new poems are coming, you know, yes. you got something to share with the uh, Poetry Unlocked crowd every month, then that's yeah. always good. You know, that's that's the basic, I think, as long as yes, new things are absolutely. coming out. And then you see yeah. what's, what's going to coalesce, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and well, I'm fortunate to have a couple of really good um, writing companions in in the state. And mm-hmm. um, they keep me honest and they keep me, uh, same thing, kind of, you know, keep me on track and make sure that I'm, I'm writing. And we do a couple of writing retreats together a year. Oh, and um, That's really good. Yeah, that's really wonderful. I'm, I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah, so they keep you from getting wordy and tell you when you should drop the first stanza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's usually the last stanza for me. Oh. I tend to overwrite the end, you know. Okay. I, I want to yeah. make sure you get it. And I'm, I'm often saying, you know, did oh, you okay. get it? Did you get it? Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, okay. First so. and last stanzas are, are yeah, good targets yep. to start with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did you select for us? So another um, another poem I get asked to read a lot um, is the last poem in the book called Resignation Notice. And um, I'll read it first, and then if we want to talk about it at all sure. after, I can do okay. that. Resignation Notice. If you find me, head down at my desk. If you find me, head down at my desk in my pinstriped suit, blouse untucked and stockings run in my pinstriped suit and bloused stockings. If my untucked head feels the run in me and makeup runs in pinstriped rows, or I'm dictating gibberish to an empty chair, I'm dictating gibberish to an empty chair. Certain this is how to work. Certain this is the how we work. I'm climbing this work, this chair, this empty dictator. I'm climbing over empty. Please memo me home. Please memo me home and leave a post-it note and note my leaving. Please home me. Please if my pinstriped certain running, my untucked stockings empty, my gibberish dictating and the ladder finds me and I'm the ladder. I'm the leader. I'm the deaf. And you're my lost gibber- gibberish. Please, just pinstripe me. I love the way everything gets uh, disint- kind of disintegrates there at the end. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. So I'm asked. <laughs> I'm asked a lot if that like really happened, and I don't. I, I I've, I've changed jobs a lot of times. There's a line in the beginning of the book, um, in one of the poems that says um, the average worker will hold 10 different jobs in his or her lifetime. I am above average. Yeah, that's funny. And I, I, that, and for me, again, that was, that last line was my way of like taking what some perceive to be a negative, you know, moving Mm -hmm. jobs a lot into something positive. And because it always has been a really positive experience for me. And most of the time that I have left jobs, 
I've left them very positively. I've left them for a better opportunity. But there were, you know, I would I would be lying if I said that they were all hunky dory. And there have been a sure. couple that have been pr- pretty stressful. And um, but what I really wanted to, was to get at that emotion of being in what feels like just a loss to situation and just kind of feeling like I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And, and this poem was definitely inspired by the, the one time in my life that I left a job before I had another job um, that I knew for my own mental health, I had to, I just had to leave. Um, and, and that, it, and that was definitely inspired by um, another poem uh, of, of another poet, Brendan Constantine, and he wrote this wonderful poem about um, his his mother's dementia. And so, just that that same kind of chaotic idea it really right. inspired me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you've you've come into a thing because of who you are and your life. It is not common to get poems from the workplace. I think I my impression. Uh, if I tried to think. To name a poet who does a lot of poems from the workplace, I believe it was David Ignato. Mm-hmm. And other than him, Ted Kuser has a few. Yeah, the one, I was going to say, they, they tore yes. my face off at the office. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. I but, love that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there are a few, and there are some local, more well, more regional poets. I know Max Garland has a wonderful book of poems called the postal confessions about his, his time as a, as a postal carrier. Um, but uh, yeah, there, it was hard for me to find inspiration when I really started thinking about writing poems about work. Yeah. It was more finding a poem here or there um, by, even, by people that yeah. I really admire. And, and even, you know, carrying the mail, that's not the same as being in that office. Right, you know that that right. context. That's that's the work setting, I think that we get uh, less less poetry from less people write out of yeah. that context. Yeah, but, absolutely, yeah. and and it's uh, definitely a um, um, for many years I felt like like two people. Um, I I work under a different name. I write under my maiden name and. Um, that was done very early on, very intentionally, because I wanted my writing to be more private. My writing early on was very loud and angry and and raucous, and I wrote on a lot of really controversial topics, and I didn't want it to impact my career. And um, now that I've gotten older, I've tried really hard to kind of blend my two selves a little bit, a little bit more, but... Um, you know, there's, it's still, I, I am definitely a different person when I go into the office um, than, yeah. than I, you know, than I am when I'm hanging out with a bunch of my poet friends. Sure. So. Yeah. Do you have another, another one there ready? You wanted to read? Sure. I was feeling like, oh, I should read one of the work poems, but you, I think you get the gist of it. Um, but yeah, I love, um, I, I, this, this poem, I have to tell you kind of has surprised me in a really positive way. I think, um, pe- again, it's I, this kind of central theme. I've, I've had a, a couple of people ask me specifically about this poem and to read this poem. And um, all I can say is I don't really write many poems about my dad. So this uh-huh. one I was a little, a little different. Again, so. this actually is kind of coming full circle because like we need to talk, 
this reminds me of an experience that an awful lot of people have had the idea of, you know, what I learned from a, a parent, father, mother, whatever. So I yeah. find the universality in the basic idea of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this poem, too, was inspired by another poet um, named Julia, or Julie Kasdorf. It's called What I Learned from My Father. I learned from my father how to love the work. To not settle for paper mill button pusher to earn retirement pay 40 years away, a gold watch shackled to my wrist. I learned I could sell cookies to a Girl Scout and how to cross the damn line of vulgarity with a hearty guffaw. I learned to defy the odd talents like bowling and poetry, how they score alike, the patience to move over one thin board to crank a gutter to strike. I learned to talk when I can get anyone to listen, that what I say means everything, to steal a good story and make it my own. Like a stuntman, I learned not to fear the fire, the car crash, to roll through any deadly drop, to save one bullet. For every disaster you inspire, you must offer a fix. The last roll of duct tape, a sheepish sidearm hug, the gift of a cauterized heart. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, can relate to what you're saying there. Yeah. Well, my, and my dad is, uh, we joke in my family, he's a cat with nine lives and he's probably on life number 11. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, he, some of those lines are, 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 either great imagery i hope they're considered great imagery but also we're we're, you know sort of sort of true like you know like a stunt man he's like a stunt man and he's learned how to roll through all these deadly drops and um and he's just really learned how to how to like live life as fully as he can and again with this theme of work he's really taught me a lot about work um, what I want to do for work, what I don't want to work, do for work, and um, and and how to how to just keep moving forward even when crap happens in your life. So well, that's a pretty yeah. good. That's, so a, it's, it's, that's a pretty yeah. good thing to have learned uh, from a parent. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Yeah. Well, Catherine, this has been great. I'm glad we finally connected. And uh, Me too. thanks for sharing these poems and talking a little bit about them and how you're doing what you're doing. Um, I don't know how many people are doing what you're doing, being really fully into being career women and maintaining a poetry presence in the world, you know, <laughs> being a poet, keeping at it. Well, I, I encourage others to join me. It's, it makes for a very interesting life. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You are listening to Poetry Great. Spoken Here. I'm your host, Charlie Rossiter. We've been visiting with Catherine Confell from out there in central Wisconsin. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. 
For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com. <laughs>